I can't upgrade my computer. Pool of Radiance only runs in DOS on my 486 processor. Hello and welcome to the Grognards. We are back. This is podcast episode number four. I am Dean Geigen. To my right is Eric Holly. And to my left, Greg Ziegler. And today's topic is Get Your Game On Line, where we're going to be talking about online gaming. And we're not actually talking about playing online. Well, I guess we are in some ways. Sort of. But most people think MMOs when you talk about online gaming nowadays or shooters. Yeah, but or you know, playing uh, on PCs and consoles and stuff like that. But that's not what we are talking about. We are going to be talking about the resources and materials that we use as either gamers, or I shouldn't say gamers, but players or DMs to make the games better for each of us. And I guess I'm going to DM this session. Is that all right with you guys? Yeah, you're in charge. Eh. All right. Okay. Okay, okay Greg, <laughs> roll your intelligence check. He failed. <laughs> okay uh so you guys uh i'm gonna start with eric eric you are the consummate dm you do a lot of dming and very little actual player uh gaming what do you use i mean where where do you go online i have my preferred places but i'm gonna let you kind of lead the yeah, charge so here. um you know i've gotten this habit every morning when i get to work i get my cup of coffee and while I'm sort of getting settled in, I load up uh, enworld.org. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it's a, sort of a news site. They have a front page, and they have gaming news. They do stuff with Kickstarters, um, any relevant stuff. And, uh, you know, anything that, that makes gaming news, it's run by a guy whose name is Morris. I believe he's in the U.K. or Australia or something. And um, they also have uh, some forums, some specific to 5th edition, some more generalized to RPGs. Uh, but that's the site I like to go to. And it's not necessarily just related to D&D. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. The thing is, it's kind of cool, is it covers all kinds of different games that are out there. You've got downloads that you can find, you know, character sheets for and, and uh, different fan creations and things like that. they got Pathfinder. A lot of times, of if I'm looking for something specifically, I'll do a Google search, mm-hmm. and the result will come up as part of an EN forum uh, listing. So if I want, you know, some homebrew monster that hasn't been converted to fifth edition a lot of times it's it's found on that site that's how i ended up there of course i have to use non-standard character sheets for all my characters and i have downloaded a ton of character sheets from en world yeah it's enworld.org not dot com but i'm sure you guys could find that out my favorite place to go to and it's uh much more encompassing of the board gaming uh world which is board game geek and i know you guys have all heard about it board game geek Dot com. I find it incredibly useful for everything that I do. Now, granted, we are talking about D&D right now, but uh, you can find stuff there. But uh, there's so many things on Board Game Geek. They've got the forums, just like Ian World. They've got all kinds of files for games that are uh, recently published or have been published for decades. And if you want to find, like, you know, revisions to rules or uh, a fan-made product and stuff like that, you can get it there at Board Game now, Geek. Don't they also have a swap and a buy and sell yes. section? So if you're looking for like one of those old Avalon Hill games that's out of print, a lot of times you can you can find somebody there who's willing to either trade or, or part with it. 
So I've been there for that. Yeah, they have their marketplace, and they also have links to uh, games that may be for sale on eBay or Amazon. Yeah, they have Amazon. a whole eBay section. I was just checking that out. Mm-hmm. One of the best things that I like about the Board Game Geek website is the reviews and the how-to-play videos that are uh, available there. I've always wanted to go, and this is something that we missed in the, uh, or did we talk about it in our convention uh, podcast, the BGG Con. Yeah, I think I brought it up because uh, I had just heard a review slash ad for it uh, in another podcast I'd been listening what, to. What city is that in? I want uh, to. either. I think it's in Dallas. Yeah, it's, it's in Texas, and I know the one of the um, advantages to the convention they said is it's all of them have been given at the hotel connected to the airport, so people from out of town who want to go to the con don't have to rent cars or do anything. You just you show up, you get off the plane, you check into the hotel there, and you game for a week. Or weekend, or however long it is. I think it's like a four-day weekend. Yeah, and avoid the sun, which is important for us Germanic types. Maybe we should just plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe we should plan something and go down to uh, BGGCon yeah, next year. That's a possibility. You know, um, I believe it has. It's a uh, has a limited um, uh, sign up for it, so it's been filling up quickly. Oh, you it's, mean that uh, there is a top-in limit? Yes, it has a limit, and uh, it's been getting more popular. It's one of those conventions that's on the cusp of of you know being more popular than the venue and the creators are accustomed to handling. So so it's a, it's very it's a, it's a hot con. Now, we all like to have the cool stuff. I mean, Greg's got his uh, uh, dice addiction, but I think Eric and I really like all the little stuff that we can find that kind of enhances our, our games, our backgrounds, our storylines, and things yeah. like that. And I think that uh, for us, or for, yeah, for both of us, DMs Guild and Drive Through RPG. Those two sites are fantastic. Yeah, and stuff is so cheap. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like what pay what you want or ninety nine yeah, cents. Pay what you want. Some of the stuff that people are sort of becoming semi professional when they post stuff on there, um, but it's sort of self policing. If someone's not getting the price they ask because their quality's not very good, they lower the price. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know DMs Guild has sales. They started doing sales occasionally so you can actually if you have something you've been watching you can pick it up a little cheaper um, what's kind of cool is that the uh, dm's guild if you're signed up for their uh newsletter you get uh, an idea of their specials they always have like uh, right now in the month that we're in they're having a big D sale yeah I and saw that. a lot of that stuff is either free or it's really cheap how cheap is really cheap how cheap is really cheap 99 cents that's cheap. well it's a percentage because i got stuff on <laughs> dm's guild so they they mark it down. I think it might be like 15 20%. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So now you do sell stuff on DMs Guild. What exactly goes into creating something like that? You know, we're going to do a whole podcast on that at some point in the future. That's one of our future podcasts. Well, but give us a little snippet. So a lot of people can create content. Uh, you know, most of my stuff is content I create for my home game, as, mm-hmm. as Greg can attest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the problem is to get it in a format that's visually appealing and to learn all the software involved uh, wow. is basically as much work or, or more work as it was generating the content. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the downfall of a lot of people's DMs Guild content. It's just, it's not well edited. It's difficult to edit your own material. You really want a, a fresh set of eyes looking at it. Um, they they or, throw out a Word document. Yeah, they, they just, I mean, they're just cutting and pasting. Um, 
so I'm hesitant to, to pay a lot of money for some of the stuff unless it's somebody who has a proven track record. But I know for my stuff, if you look at the stuff I posted when DMs Guild first started to the stuff I posted last, which was honestly probably about a year ago because I've been involved with other stuff, um, there's a definite increase in, in the visual appeal uh, of those items. So Now, is the stuff that comes out on DMs Guild, um, it's kind of a mixture between official and homebrew is that correct or is it all homebrew I'd well actually... dm's guild has a section for adventures league okay so you can download that stuff's free the adventures league players pack dm's pack and then if you're running adventures league modules if somebody writes a, a module for adventure league they're actually required to post it up on dm's guild like convention content which for some of you might not mean anything but for those people who play adventures league it means something um but they make a little money off of it which is sort of nice you know if they put their time and they design a module and deals usually run about three or four dollars each. That stuff you're you're pretty sure. The the other aspect they've put on is they're actually um, there was a drive where they tried to get people to donate their original materials, the original like AD and D modules. They cut them apart, they scan them with a high quality scan, and now you can purchase PDF versions of all that original material. You know, there that stuff was available online. Sometimes it was sketchy sites, and you weren't really sure. Uh, some of the scans weren't very good, but this is really top quality stuff. You do have to pay for that a little bit. But. Right. Now, the other one is drivethroughrpg.com, which if you didn't look closely enough, you would think that Dungeon Masters Guild and drivethroughrpg.com are almost the same. They are. They're run by the same place. Are they really? Yeah. I did RPG not know that. now, drivethroughrpg, DM's Guild, a place, I believe their name is like bookshelf.com. Mm-hmm. There's some some company and... Uh, the you same have an engine? account on one, you have an account on all of them. Okay. The N- difference is DM's Guild is limited in what people can post. It's only Dungeons & Dragons. Right. It's Fifth only edition Forgotten Realms, point. where RPG Now covers a whole spectrum of role-playing games. Right. And it does look like they have publications from the actual publishers, Catalyst Games, Fantasy Flight Games, and stuff like yeah, that, they where they deals. do not have that on Dungeon Master's Guild. Nope. So how much, Greg, do you use these sites at all for anything? Um, yeah, I, I download stuff from uh, DMs Guild, you know, character sheets, uh, pictures, maps and stuff. I've been, I've looked things up, uh, rule books and that from DriveThruRPG. I've mostly picked up some free stuff. Before GaryCon, I uh, downloaded some free playtest rules for some of the games I was playing that I wasn't used to. So uh, it's pretty useful. I've got a bunch of stuff uh, on a wish list there at uh, DriveThru. I had a, uh, the opportunity to take advantage of one of these things that said uh, basically play before you pay yeah. type of thing. It was for the dragon bound. It was basically your character in, and a dragon are kind of symbiotically bound together. Not in a physical sense, but more in a uh, spiritual and your souls are connected. Yeah. And it was a pretty cool thing. And then all of a sudden it came out, uh, I believe it was coming out as an official product. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. It was called the Dragon Bound, and I did the uh, play before I pay, and I thought it was pretty cool. I played a character for about three or four sessions, and then the people that I was playing with graduated and moved away. <laughs> <laughs> makes me uh, I have a makes me remember I have a product on DM's Guild called the Dark Ranger. I actually used it in my campaign, and I wrote it up, and uh, it's essentially a ranger who's based on rotten decay. Uh, Interesting. You know, he's he's still believes in the natural, uh, but he draws his power from the life of nature, so the life force, because he views that as part of the 
the uh, nature of, of the world. Things grow, then they die, and, and they wither. Um, so he uses that to, to sort of power his abilities. And I offer that for free on DMs Guild. And, you know, How many downloads do you normally see for the stuff that you produce without... Uh, Stealing the thunder for the next podcast. You know, you're not getting rich off a of DMs Guild. Uh, <laughs> most of my products I offer for 99 cents just because I want, you know, it's a little bit. It pays for the other stuff I, I download myself. And right now I haven't posted anything in, in over a year, and mm-hmm. I make a dollar a day. So I'm selling one product a day, basically. Well, two products a day because DMs Guild takes half of their. Hey, that's better than a stick in the eye, right? No, and like I said, when I download stuff on my own, you know, it's $30 a month. I can get the, the adventures I want to get, and it doesn't really cost me anything. All right. Um, in addition to uh, things like uh, RPG, drive through RPG and Dungeon Master's Guild, the big one that's out there right now is D&D Beyond. I have been enjoying the heck out of it. Uh, there is so much there. But uh, for someone who has purchased all of the 5th edition core rule books and some of the other stuff, D&D Beyond has a lot to offer because it's basically all of that stuff in an electronic form. Is it worth it, do you think? You know, I don't know the answer to that because this is where we run into the conundrum. Uh, Apparently, the way Wizards does this is they license the rights to their books in like an electronic format, a specific electronic format. So they have licensed this D&D Beyond to this other company. So even though I've already bought the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual, Volos, Xanathars. All that good stuff. All that stuff. You're talking, you know, a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah, and and truthfully, you know, a lot of that I'll even buy at the local game store because I want to support my local game store. Even though I'm paying more, I think, you know, I like having a, a local game store, even though Amazon's way cheaper for almost all of them. But then when I go to D- uh, D&D Beyond, I have to buy that all, all that again. And it's not cheap there either. They're charging about 30 bucks per book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've already bought it twice. Now in a little bit, we're going to talk about playing games online with like Fantasy Grounds. And if I want to use Fantasy Grounds, that's a different license from Wizards' perspective. So I have to buy all that material again if I want it available on Fantasy Grounds. All right. Well, let's take it from this perspective of a player. And I'm going to uh, turn to Greg here. Do you use D&D Beyond? Uh, I have used it a couple of times. Uh, my biggest problem is I do not own a uh, laptop or a uh, pad of any kind. So What type of I, Luddite is he? I know. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a grognard. And, uh, you don't I have can, to go that far, I man. can bring it up on my phone, uh, which it's not good there. Uh, no, but that I, is... Some... I've borrowed pads before. Uh, Eric and I made an uh, Adventures League character up really quickly using that and it gives you all of your choices they're cross-referenced as far as character creation goes it is a really amazing resource and that is probably one of the best things about D&D Beyond is because if you've got a new player coming in and they're like oh my gosh I gotta create a character all these things I have to do you take them to D&D Beyond and it's kind of cut and not cut and dried but it's very simplified it's for almost them. like a flow chart it's yes what do you want do you want race do you want to be I want to be an elf okay you click on that here's your choice as a class mm-hmm. here's your choice as a subclass you know the here's best part stuff. is your I don't even know what they call them templates what do they call them when you're a fighter but then you take you know Battle master, sub oh like subclasses, subclasses. Yeah, that's what I call them. You know, those are spread out across all the books, but in D and D Beyond, they're all together. So yeah, when right. I take fighter, I can see all the official subclasses, 
as part of that character. So it makes looking that stuff up really easy. However, in that case, you have to have purchased those other books that have those Correct. subclasses in it. If you've just got the player's handbook and you don't have any of the other supplements that have those subclasses, you will not have access to that on D&D Beyond. You, everything is it's basically yeah. pay, pay to play. Now, there's a... You don't need to have anything on D and D Beyond. You can have access to the source book material, the one that's that's free, available. You know that you can download that PDF that mm-hmm. Wizards offered, but that doesn't even have all the player's handbook content. That's about half of the player's handbook content. Right, it does. Um, so, so that that's your starting point for D and D Beyond. Now the the great part about D and D Beyond, and another great part is, if one person has a subscription, they can share their content with other people they call those campaigns and that's my favorite part yeah you can have up to three <laughs> campaigns of 12 people each i believe is is the current numbers so um i have the full subscription and i've shared it with with many people the, uh, at the local game store i have a dm's uh adventures league group and i've even shared it with some of those people because i can share it with 36 they don't use it a lot but they do use it while they're playing uh adventures league right my players use it for again character creation but i found in our last one that the the first session or so they weren't using it the third session all of them had their laptops out and were using it to basically you know uh, adjust their character sheet or or get that quick information that easy information right then and right there at the table as they were doing it and i found it for me to be much more easier on me as a dm because for a while, they're like, well, I want to do this. And sometimes I'm like, okay, we'll do that. And they're like, well, I'm not quite sure what it does. Now they can just reference it yeah, right away. And the other thing, you know, when there's people are fumbling for spells, you know, what's the range of a lightning bolt? Um, and if you you're just using click on character it. sheet, you just click on lightning bolt, it pulls up all the stats. It's, it's right there. You don't have yes. to fumble through books. Um, pull out my cards. Pull out cards. <laughs> you know. I, yeah. The spell cards, where did you get those from? Uh, I got those at my friendly local game store. And I, while it was not online, I'm sure you can find them online somewhere. It would actually probably be a lot easier to get them online than yeah. it my friendly. I suppose it was. Yeah, everything uh, we buy is pretty much cheaper online, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a big, big fan of D&D Beyond, but with the caveat that if you've already purchased all of the hardback editions of the core rules, you will be buying them again if you want to be able to now, access all of that. The other thing I know about D&D Beyond lately is it's become a little bit of a new site themselves. Yes. There's been a lot of like videos from the, the creators and the publishers and, and the minds Morden behind Kanans it. And when Morden came out, they mm-hmm. had a little bit of an intro to that. A lot of the uh, insight that went behind the creation of certain uh, uh, monsters, creatures or even spells or particular actions and things like that so it is kind of a, a forum of sorts and they do it, have a forum there as well yeah but i think in, in the end you're right it's becoming kind of a a news center for D and the new stuff that's coming out or a deeper look at what uh you know certain aspects of the game need to be looked at so. now now greg was saying that you know he doesn't have any sort of a electronic gaming you know a tablet or a laptop this might be a good idea to a uh, good time to introduce our new sponsor you're right, we do. And some people say they're less than reputable. They've got a really great product. And yeah. let's take a listen to their advertisement. New from Conuco, a state of the art gaming system. Tired of spending exorbitant amounts of money on the latest Alienware gaming hardware? Frustrated in fiddling with passwords and volume settings for your online games? 
our system guarantees you will be gaming in no time with minimal setup or maintenance. Our new, soon-to-be patented system is compatible with any gaming system, will support any number of players, and allows for easy content sharing. Tired of being disconnected during that big boss fight? Our seamlessly integrated visual elements and 100% reliable voice comms ensures that every player stays connected with zero packet loss guaranteed. Simply send $49.99 to KanYuko and we will send you the table. It's the total access by live exposure gaming system. Your table system will include a stack of paper in graph and plane formats, a box of pencils, and detailed instructions on how to call your friends, invite them to your home, and interact with them in a social setting. Act now and also receive a free six-pack of Mountain Dew. Where are the Cheetos? They're right next to you. I cast a spell. Where's the Mountain Dew? In the fridge, duh. Act now while supplies last. All right. I'm sending my money in. Yeah, I don't know if that'll help Greg a whole lot, though. I, know. I think he's already got something similar. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, I do. <laughs> so, you know, I can always use a new one. That's right. That's right. Are dice involved? Uh, they don't come with the... No, it does not come with, with the dice. table <laughs> system, but... Yeah. You have that, to supply your own dice. That six-pack of Mountain Dew is pretty attractive. Not a problem. That is. That is. And that's a heck of a good price. Yeah, yeah. You know, for all that, plus the education on how to... Interact socially. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's continue on here. We've got the D&D Beyond. That's giving us, you know, the, the extra goodies that we can use during our game. But something that I did as a younger DM back in my high school days was trying to set the mood and the tone and everything for the players. I don't know if I did it successfully or not, but I certainly enjoyed trying doing it. And that was basically like background music and sound yeah. effects and things like that. You still that. have all those eight tracks, do you, Dean? Not eight tracks. I was a cassette <laughs> era child. You know that. Cassettes. Yes. The, the, the time of the cassette tapes where you can make a great mixtape. and That was a skill, making when, uh, a, a mixtape. When tape. I was in high school, we had a cassette player on the bus, and our bus driver, he wasn't the quickest uh, individual, not the sharpest tool. A nice guy, could drive a bus. But I remember they used to pass the cassettes to the front of the bus, and they'd yell up, side two, rewind, and side two, rewind, and through the whole trip. I mean, I had like a 30-minute bus ride in school, and this guy was like DJing while driving the bus, so maybe I didn't give him as much credit as I, as I should have. Sounds like he was a better bus driver than you did get yeah. credit for. Yeah, so. at least a better DJ. All right. So what we're talking about are... are Online resources for background music and sound effects and stuff like that. The big one out there, of course, is YouTube because everybody knows of YouTube. And you do a quick search on YouTube uh, for Dungeons and Dragons soundtracks and stuff like that. You're going to find yeah. a couple of playlists that are like two, three hours long. I use that for uh, background music. And you could even do, uh, usually I just do a search for like RPG and I'll do like city music or travel music or horror music, mm -hmm. combat music. And people have put together playlists that will run for like an hour. Right. Uh, I, Greg is, sits in on some of those sessions. He can probably give the, his impression yeah, on it, that. Yeah, it's kind of spooky sometimes how the exact right musical cue will pop up at the exact right time. So I'm wondering if there's, you know, some kind of 
strange magic going on uh, with those cues because you'll say, you know, and the creature strikes, and then this music will go in the background, and it's it's worked out really well an awful lot. I've never had that kind of luck with YouTube. I've always been a little disappointed because um, it's someone else's idea, and it's their way of of create a, creating a soundtrack for their game, or at least what they think is. Yeah, it, it's all coincidence, but uh, when it works, it works. Yeah. Um, there's also another one out there that is, I wouldn't say it's relatively new, but it has only been around for about, what, five or six years. It's Sirenscape. Yeah, I use that too. And Sirenscape is a subscription app. And it basically allows you to pick and choose through a smart device, and then you Bluetooth in through a speaker or hook it up through a component, and you can pick tavern music, or you can pick uh, the sound effects of, of walking through a forest, and you can add rain, or you can add wind, and things like that. Yeah, it's not quite that flexible, but it is sort of is. A, so let me just... Well, from what I've seen in friends of mine who've subscribed to, like, the full packages, yeah. the more and more you pay, the more and more you can play with it. Yeah, so I, I don't subscribe. I purchase outright because my view is I'm going to game till I die, and if I pay a monthly fee, I'm probably going to end up paying more. But Lifetime membership. You, you buy the sound sets, and usually they're about 5 bucks each, and they have different settings. So uh, one, the one I use tend to use a lot is the, the sailing ship. So they have like below decks, you know, top deck, right? Ship combat, uh, you know, a storm. So you can pick all those, and they've sort of combined these these sound effects. But then they also have a side one, which is like one shot sounds. My favorite one, fam- favorite one being sad trombone. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> But then they have like sword on wood, you know, clashing metal, um, and those basically you can use with during any sound set, and you can customize. You can take bits and pieces from a bunch of different sound sets. Uh, so can't you add like different levels? Like if you really want certain things to be a lot louder, or yeah, you can adjust like the volume level. So mm-hmm. like the the haunted mansion might have like. Howling wind, creaking floorboards, uh, ghostly whale. And you can adjust the volume levels on each of those individual parts of that. Um, there's a default setting, or you can fiddle with it. The difference between YouTube and Sirenscape is uh, YouTube I just leave on, the, on in the background. I don't right. need to do anything yes. with it. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll sort of catch that, okay, this music's not appropriate. I need to, to find a different one. But Sirenscape is really a lot more active. You, you need to sort of be managing a soundboard, so to speak, as you're playing. Right, and uh, that brings up a, a good point. Does that type of stuff get in the way of your gaming, especially if you don't have someone who can kind of do that for you, like an assistant DM of sorts? But um, I find it fun and the players find it kind of entertaining, but at the same time, if I say, okay, this happens, and then I take 10 minutes, not 10 minutes, a good 10, 15 seconds to try to find what I'm looking for to play that one little sound effect, it does kind of get in the way of my gameplay. Yeah, it does. And truthfully, I don't use Sirenscape a whole lot anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm really trying to do the total A, a game package when I'm running, I'll, I'll include it. I'm going to run a Call of Cthulhu campaign for my daughter. She sort of said, hey, my friends and I are going to play Call of Cthulhu this summer. And I said, that's great. Who, who's going to burn the game? And she said, you are. <laughs> so Goodness. I, got, I got corralled into that. But uh, during that game, uh, you know, I'll use Sirenscape because I think the horror sounds are really uh, top-notch, and, and you want to give that feeling. A Call of Cthulhu is a very uh, atmosphere-based game. Very much so. 
You know, for D and D though, a lot of times I just use YouTube running in the background. Uh, along those same lines, Spotify has a small list of that type of thing, you know, playlists where people yeah. have cool. pulled up songs and, and made a playlist out of them. But there's also another one that I've used in the past. It's called DM DJ, and it's on my iPhone, and it's kind of along the same lines as Sirenscape, where you can add in music and you can add in background uh, sound effects and things like that. But it's not as user-friendly and as flexible as Sirenscape. But it costs like two bucks. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it comes down to. There's a lot of stuff out there, but there's a bit of a learning curve, and some of it's not as intuitive to use as those more polished products. So, uh, Greg, as a player, you said that it's kind of cool when those things kind of work well together, you know, the action starts and then the music builds and stuff like that. But do you really pay attention to it? Uh, just just when it pops up. Uh, it's mostly noticeable to do, um, you know, location atmosphere. Like we're in a city and Eric's running the, uh, you know, the city background noises. That That's pretty effective. Or you're, you know, you're at the docks, you're down by the warehouse district and, you know, oh, Throw that book over. Got a lot of stuff going on in the background. That that actually adds to it quite a bit. I think. Uh, were you playing some music when we uh, visited our uh, vampire friend here? Uh, I don't remember if I, I had that fired up or not. Maybe that was just playing in my head. I think. Yeah, I probably. I think I was just giving a <laughs> along with the voices. Very in your detailed head. visual uh, but I description. To them. <laughs> you listen to the voices. Um, did you, when you were first starting off as a DM, did you have any? particular music that you like to play i mean we're gonna say it right now everybody used probably the conan the barbarian that's right. that was that was the answer right there yeah i, I mean, mean that's why it's our intro for our show right exactly and yeah. exit yeah um one of the ones that i used quite a bit was uh the moody blues i used the moody blues and i think it was a uh, Gemini? Was that the name of the album? Greg, help me out. You're kind of an audiophile. Uh, it came out in the early 80s. I think it was called... Gemini Dream. Gemini Dream. Gemini Dream. Yeah. I, uh, actually, I have that one. Yeah, the first three <laughs> songs worked really well for D&D, um, I thought, at least as a 13-year-old yeah, boy. fantasy movies, really, just because we had seen those movies, you know, uh, even Labyrinth with David Bowie. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that soundtrack, it wasn't, when you listen to it in isolation, you're like, that's not really D&D music. But because we had associated it with the movie, mm -hmm. you know, it sort of evoked that feeling. Right. I, was, I was a big Styx fan as a yeah. teenager. Oh, yeah, so. me too. Uh, Lady Hawk was yep. one that I used yeah. a lot. So yeah. really before, uh, before 2000, your choices were a lot more limited. Yes, um, for the Lord of the Rings movies and yeah. all that, you uh, you didn't have nearly as many to pick from. Yeah, um, they shut down the Napster. Oh, oh man, <laughs> boy, you are old. School. I know. <laughs> uh, one thing that I would suggest, if you are looking for things, especially on YouTube, use the search words "epic music." There's a lot of people out there submitting things to epic music and i don't know if it's a group or a, a publisher or whatever but man some of that stuff is fan freaking tastic i use rpg because i found a lot of the music that'll get called up if i'm like you know uh game battle music will be video games like you know world oh. of warcraft music yeah. and stuff like that and well, it's this... on a, and it's good on a loop too because the yeah. games sometimes just go on and on so you've got yeah. you know yeah but sometimes it's you know it's yeah. futuristic and you don't really want that so i yeah. always put rpg because that sort of hones me in on yeah the epic music is for the most part i would say about 80 percent original nice which is really kind of cool that's cool yeah so um what else do we use online and uh i for one 
you know, we talk a lot amongst ourselves here through Facebook. But I can't think of anybody aside from myself that uses Facebook as a real resource. I mean, we've got it here as one of our talking points, but I, I have a little bit of trouble actually coming up with it's toxic. Good, it's, it really well, is. It is kind of toxic. You're right. There's a fifth edition group on Facebook. I don't even read those posts anymore. Yeah. It's, I troll through there sometimes and uh, see what's going on. And, you know, I've I've posted things on there before, uh, you know, just like interesting things, FYI things, dice things. But uh, if uh, you have a specialty group, like we have a lot of small Facebook groups. I know, Dean, you're real active on the uh, Gen Con, fans of Gen Con. D&D, uh, I'm one of the group. moderators there. Yeah. So, yeah. so that stuff tends to be a little more friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody's sort of there and, and being nice to each other. But I've noticed in those really large groups, you can post anything. You know, puppies are cute. And the first post is going to be some guy. No, they're not. Calling you an yeah. idiot because puppies are. I mean, it's yeah. just. And then the memes come out and, yeah, and it all it, disintegrates. And, right. you know, if you're willing to wade through some of that, you might get a decent answer from somebody. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, you are right, though. There's now, a lot of lot of bad posts. For Adventures League Facebook group, that's apparently the only place you can get official rulings from the admins for Adventures League, which yeah, is Yeah, I had seen ironic. that. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Well, I use Facebook for keeping in contact with my game group. I have a Facebook message group, and I say, game on at 7 o'clock, my place, next Thursday. Those people that see it, hopefully they all see it, will respond, I'll be there, or I won't be there, that type of thing. Um, But one thing that I did a couple of years ago, to good effect, I had no preconceived notion of how it was going to work out, is I actually did a D&D game over Facebook Messenger. Um, And it was, I wrote out what the DM would say, you know, basically the box text. Yeah. And then I would say the ubiquitous, what do you do? And then the players would respond back. Now, they didn't have character sheets and stuff like that. I said, they picked what they were, okay? And I didn't specify what level they were. I didn't specify anything. They could specify, you know, if they were a, a wizard or a fighter or a cleric or whatever. And we didn't even specify levels. They just said, you know, if they want to do I'm casting, uh, you know, a fireball. And I said, well, you can't or you can or, you know, it was successful or not. It was kind of stream of consciousness. And we did it over the course of about a month and a half in just responding back and forth and text messaging. And it was like play by mail D and D game, kind of. Yeah, but it email. was incredibly fun because the the players got to be much more descriptive about what they were doing because they were literally, you know, uh, typing out their exact actions and all this kind of stuff. And I would also throw in certain things like, you know, so and so is bleeding out, and you are, you know, you're too far away to be able to take care of them now. What do you do? And you know, and there was this hectic typing of, you know, uh, so-and-so, do you have a, a heal spell or blah, blah, blah? And it was just a lot of fun. And yeah, it sort of forces you to get away from the dice, and, yeah, which is one of the problems with 5th edition, I've noticed. Right. And I don't know if it's a problem with the edition or the players. We've had this influx of players that want to, you know, I'm going to make a perception roll. In my table, that's not the way it works. You tell me what you're looking for. I tell you whether you make you a perception say roll. when you're going to do But I've roll. noticed there's this trend with a lot of gaming groups where they just say, I'm going to make this roll. And the DM just, okay, roll. Tell me what your roll. Do you think that's because they've been involved in another roll-heavy type of game? I, I think it's just they're not. The, the DMs don't have enough experience. The players 
haven't played in, mm-hmm. you know, with DMs that sort of, okay, this is, this is in my opinion, the, the way it should go. You don't have to play it that way if right. you're happy just rolling it's dice. A, it's a bit of a video game mentality. Too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Well, for those of you brave enough to try it, you might want to try it on a Facebook Messenger um, game. Can, I had no dice, no nothing. It was all kind of stream of consciousness. Can I interject an amusing anecdote from, from days of yore? Sure. Okay, so you were talking about playing online. Well, we used to, we had a friend that we used to play at their house, and uh, we would have to go to bed because if the deal was we could play at his house Saturday night, but we all had to go to church in the morning, mm-hmm. which is where I discovered all the cute girls go to the church. I didn't know that till then. <laughs> but um, of course, we were, you know, D&D fanatics. So just because we were in bed, we weren't going to stop playing D&D. So we used to continue to play D&D while laying in bed, and it was very similar to what you're describing. Right, and the DM was the only one who could sneak the dice in, so he would make all the rolls. But it was a very text-based adventure. Um, during that time, we decided one evening we wanted to have character wars. Typical 14, 15-year-old boy mentality. We want to know whose character would win in a fight. So we could use any resources we wanted. And as part of the campaign, we had an NPC called the Trader. And we didn't know whether that was T-R-A-D-E-R or T-R-A-I-T-O-R. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So, so we weren't sure because we were from New Jersey. We had an accent. <laughs> um, well, it turns out my character was going against a barbarian who could summon a horde. And as part of my uh, strategy, I went to the Trader and I hired a dragon to make two passes with his breath weapon against the barbarian horde. And I told the trader, if the other character comes and tries to bribe you, tell me because I will pay you more to not tell him what the plan is. Sure enough, the other character, the barbarian player, decides they're going to try to get the information out. DM comes back to me and says, okay, tell him what you want. What do you want me to tell him? Because, you know, you made the deal with the trader. And I said, tell him that I have I hired wizards to cast sheets of ice so all his barbarians fall down and my army can run up and, and cut them down while they're on the ground. So the DM goes and tells, and that guy comes back and says, well, he wants to know how your army's not going to fall down to, in order to get to the, because the ground's being covered with ice. So I said, well, tell him I've bought ice gates for my entire army, which sounded, sounded good to me at the time. But the funniest part was this barbarian player then spent his entire fortune buying ice skates for his barbarian horde. <laughs> barbarian horde. And at the time of the battle, this barbarian horde shows up wearing ice skates in a grassy field. Can Needless you teach to barbarians say, to skate? No. Needless <laughs> to say, I won that battle. Because <laughs> barbarians don't fight very well on ice skates. Oh, that's great. Did the dragon ever come by? With yeah, yeah, the up? dragon came by. And of course, they couldn't run because they're wearing ice skates. <laughs> In the grass. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Only in D&D do exactly. you get stuff like Only that's, when you're 15 awesome. years yeah. old in D&D. Yeah. Now, when we're at a table, um, I think we all probably would say that I would rather be at a table playing with my friends in the same room at the same time. But you do Definitely. have the uh, you do have the opportunity if you can't you're in a geographical area where it's hard to do that or you just don't have any friends um, you can go online and play and there are two that I know of uh, two online RPG uh, resources that's Roll Twenty and Fantasy Grounds I have some experience with Roll Twenty um, I think it's kind of cool especially if you can't get your regular group together and or somebody moves far away they can still play, which I think is a fantastic and wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, 
you get into this whole idea of you're just sitting in a room all by yourself. Yeah, so playing a game, much I, like I've done on a both PC or an Xbox or something like that. Yeah, I've done both. I own Fantasy Grounds. Roll Twenty is free for the most part. There's a subscription you can do. Um, there are significant differences between the two. Yes. Fantasy Grounds is licensed, and if you buy the content, like we were discussing earlier, you can actually pull in um, all the character options, similar to DM's Guild, um, mm -hmm. which makes making a character both incredibly complex and incredibly easy. Um, you know, you don't have to manually enter a lot of the stuff, but the interface has a little bit of a learning curve. Um, My understanding is that Fantasy Grounds is more DM-friendly. Yes. Whereas Roll20, the DM still has to do a lot of that paperwork of yeah. keeping track of certain things and and, that's, and making sure that things are still uh, working the way they're supposed to in a paper and pencil Yeah, and that's because if you, I want to run Curse of Strahd, Fantasy Grounds has an official release of Curse of Strahd, which I can buy, and it's set up and ready to run as a DM. Roll20 does not have that license, so every adventure is basically set up by the DM. They are importing the maps. They're importing the tokens for the monsters. Mm -hmm. Players have to import their character sheets, and they have to keep them updated on there, and there's some wacky limitations as to whether you have a subscription because you can only update your character sheet in-game, not not outside the game. So it's a little little quirky. Greg, have you had any experience with either of these? Nope, or? I have not done either of those. I set a computer at work pretty much most of the day, so I don't spend too much time behind the keyboard when I'm at home. Can't blame you um, there. My son, however, I know he's played D&D &D, uh, with Roll20, and him and his friends uh, like to do that. But to be fair, they don't do anything face-to-face. -face. They uh, He calls hanging out with his friends, uh, hopping on Discord, and pulling up Roll20 or playing a... Uh, uh, another video game, so and I that's to, that's their norm. I, I'm going to have to put in a, a, my own personal comment to that. I don't think that can you really call them friends at that point. Well, they see each other at school. Okay. Yeah, these these are the guys he sees at school, and I guess they got into the habit of doing this because they they didn't have cars back then. Yeah. And they live far enough away from each other that they can't walk there, and um, I don't know. I think it's weird because. Uh, <laughs> That was the whole point of us getting together was yeah. to play games. I play a lot of Adventure League games on Roll20 uh, because I DM so much that if I actually want to play, it's hard. You know, if I go to a convention and I'm running, obviously I'm not playing. Um, and it scratches the itch, but I'd much rather play face-to-face. -face. Right. Well, and I think Adventure League is good for that because Adventure League is already so very structured that it kind of lends itself to being played online, whereas, you know, a, a homebrew thing – Trying to run that, you know, through an online resource is a little more challenging, especially for the DM. For our listening audience, if you are a player, a full-time, I'm going to say full-time player for either Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds, comment on our SoundCloud and let us know uh, what you like about it. Uh, I would have to say that I would not pay the money for Fantasy Grounds or Roll20. And Roll20 is, for the most part, free. Yeah. But you have to buy some extra stuff. Yeah, if, if you, you want, want to run on Roll20, you're going to have to get yeah. a subscription. But I... I think it's cool, but I wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, my like I said, I already bought the Fantasy Grounds when it first came out. I just can't see myself buying the hardcovers when they come out, then the D and D Beyond version of a uh, product, and then the Fantasy Grounds version of the product. So buying everything three times, 
I, I just haven't kept up on fantasy grounds because it's not worth it. That's how marketing works. Yeah. That's how marketing works. They just keep giving you stuff you think you need, and you keep giving them your money. It's a good plan on their part. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, the the maps and such on fantasy grounds and not so much Roll20 are kind of cool because you can, you know, you get a better visual of where you're at and what you're, uh, where your characters are at and things like that. But that takes away from me one of the greatest joys of being a DM, and that is map making. I love creating the maps. Um, both of you guys, I know Greg is an accomplished artist. I can't imagine what type of time you would spend making a map. Yeah, it's probably a good thing I don't. The, um, <laughs> yeah, get some graph paper out. I would want to shade, color, topographical, <laughs> way too much time. And then you know what? The players are going to turn and go in a different direction, and that map that you just made is going to be useless. And that is a very good point, very good point. Um, but there are some online resources. The one that I'm familiar with is incarnate and that's i-n-k-a-r-n-a-t-e and it's a kind of a pay-to-play sort of thing but you can do a lot with the free version and i've made a number of maps and there's a lot of free maps that are already made for people to use if you want to throw them into your game um and what is the other one that uh campaign cartographer campaign cartographer are you familiar with incarnate I have not used Incarnate. I use Campaign Cartographer. Okay, well, tell me what are your thoughts on that. And I mean, Campaign Cartographer, we've been talking about learning curves a lot for some of this online stuff, and maybe just because we're grognards and we're old, but uh, there's quite a learning curve for Campaign Cartographer. There's layers, there's map effects. Um, it's basically like a CAD CAM program. Nice. And even now, I can, I can produce stuff, but it's I know that... I, there's people who are far above my level of competence with this program. Um, a lot of the TSR products, I think, are actually, or TSR, uh, Wizards products. <laughs> there we go. Throwback. Uh, Wizards products are actually made with campaign cartographer software. Are some they of, really? Some of the people who do the maps for the hardcovers, I've seen their names associated with um, other items in campaign cartographer. And Very you can cool. do overland maps. You can do dungeon maps. It yes. does everything you want. And Incarnate is the same way. Uh, you basically pick a icon or an image or whatever, and you can do, you know, full continents and worlds, or you can do streetscapes if you want. But it's 30 bucks for the premium version, and then you get everything for $30. So in reality, that's pretty cheap for that much yeah. flexibility. But... Um, like Greg was saying, I really enjoy doing all that fun creating on a graph paper and things like that. And that's one of the joys that I have as a DM. But if you're looking for a fast, no, I wouldn't say fast, an easy way to make stuff, I would highly recommend Incarnate. Um, I can't speak for Campaign Cartographer, but it sounds like it's a little bit more involved. It's a lot more involved, but it's incredibly powerful if you learn how to use it. And that brings up one other thing about digital gaming when i'm if i use campaign cartographer and i want to make a battle mat i don't know about you but my printer only prints eight and a half by 11 yeah now campaign cartographer does let you split a map up and will tell you where to snip it and tape so it together it. so you can actually make a, a battle map but if you're playing digital there's no limit to how big you can make that map because it it moves around i mean you can just drag it around and uh do whatever you want with it which is sort of nice I'm here to say that I don't think if you're a DM and you're worth your salt, if you have to have a, a computer make your maps for you, then maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a little too harsh for me to say that. 
Just a little. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to make Battlemaster. Truthfully, the last couple adventures, including the one we're running right after this podcast, um, I have a map, but it's in my head. <laughs> I haven't even <laughs> written it down. That's the best kind because, as Greg said, the adventurers go a different direction. Well, so does that map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Battle mat and wipe off markers. That's right. Um, Greg, you mentioned your son. When he gets online, he goes to Discord, meets up with his friends, and they do some Roll20. We've got to talk about the voice chat game rooms and things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with Discord and TeamSpeak. TeamSpeak is primarily just a, a way to talk, as far as I know. I use it for Artemis games so that we can play Artemis online with people around the world and the country and stuff like that. And Discord, the only experience I have with Discord is I'm helping playtest a game called The Abyss Crew, which is kind of a steampunk submarine cooperative game. And I don't have any other experience with Discord other than that. So maybe, Greg, you can tell our listeners, do you know anything about Discord and what your son is experiencing? I honestly do not know anything about Discord. Um, I have seen him use it mostly because he has it on constantly. Every time I walk into his room, first thing he does is he reaches up and turns that uh, volume knob down so his friends can't yeah, hear me. Discord's sort of annoying uh, because it's actually hard to close. Even if you minimize it, yes. yeah. it's still, you oh, still get the alerts that come through. You have to actually Alt F4 out of it. Yeah, I will be standing there talking to him, you know, you know, hey, uh, did you get your homework done and all that? And he'll say, oh, yeah, it's done. Bing! Yeah. <laughs> Bing! Now, oh, I will say... Up. What you doing? Bing! Brandon, bing! <laughs> For Roll20, it's almost entirely Discord. Is it? Okay. And there's actually Discord, like, I don't know what they're called, sites, groups, whatever, that you can do pickup games for D&D. A lot of it's Adventures League, but mm -hmm. um, you can just show up on a Friday night, and somebody will be like, hey, can somebody run a Tier 1 Adventures League game? And, and some DM will be like, yeah, I'll run it, you know, Table 7. So you're playing on Roll20 on the site, and they have voice comps for that, but nobody uses it. I'm not sure why. I think it probably slows down the, the machines or something. And then uh, everybody uses Discord for the, for the voice chat. Well, I think that we've exhausted just about everything that we know about in terms of this topic of getting your game online. Uh, but speaking of online games, we got to go back and take a look at our spotlight for yeah, Dungeon Master's Guild. Spotlight. And today's spotlight is something that I came across that really interested me because as a DM, I don't get to play so much. And then I saw this thing called Solo. Uh, it, it's actually called the Solo Adventure, D&D Solo Adventure. That's nothing to do with Star Wars? No. Okay. Nope, yeah, we just saw that last night. The Death Knight's Squire. And it is basically, in a nutshell, a choose-your-own-adventure book, so to speak. But you are supposed to roll up your own character, and I did. Uh, you're supposed to roll up a second-level character. I rolled up a Dragonborn Ranger, which I told Eric earlier it's something you don't see very often. But I thought, hey, I'm doing a solo adventure. Why not, right? Um, and what's really cool about it is that if you're playing the uh, online PDF download, when you choose where you're going to go next or your next action, you hover over the choices you have, you select that, and it takes you right to that section that nice. allows you to then proceed further. You have to do all the dice rolling yourself. You have to essentially be the DM and the player at the same time. But it gives you kind of a framework of what you're allowed to do with that particular situation. So I've been playing for a little bit. I, uh, I don't want to make too many spoilers here, but certain things happened where I lost my horse. 
due to something bad, and I've already come up against some uh, wolf, you know, giant wolf spiders. And I took some damage. I avoided the poison, but I had to do the, all the dice rolling myself, and now I am about to set off onto another map. You have map boards that you have to take a look at and place your token on them, or at least remember you, where you're at on the screen, and then refer back to the booklet. And it's really well done. There's a lot of effort and a lot of thought that and went who into made this. That? Uh, this was made by, I've got to find it here real quick. That was made by, well, it's from 5e Solo Game Books. And I'm not sure if it actually has an actual author, but it's called. 5e solo game books and if we go a little bit deeper into that in terms of the dm website it says publisher is dungeon masters guild yeah that's what they all list so i mean it's okay. a company somebody put that together and uh, what's the price on that team uh that price is 7.96 right now it's 7.96 right now i think that's through the end of this month which is may here it is it's created by paul bimler there you go and that's the author of the D solo adventure the death knight squire and there's also the supplementary parts the uh the game book and the map book and i guess there's also some continuing stories on the sweet team. that's a good example of the kind of fun stuff you can find on dm's guild if you've got some time to browse and uh, if you don't get over there before the end of this month it will be ten dollars all right so pretty good cheap. sale yeah. um might be a good time to mention our future podcast just so people can look forward to uh, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, our next one will be a topic we call Too Taboo for Tabletop. Uh, more sort of a deeper philosophical discussion about some of the things we include in our games. We're going to talk about some, some movies that sort of influenced us and still do. Um, we're going to talk about the art of DMing. That's going to be a, a good one. And then we're going to have a couple podcasts talking about uh, pre-Gen Con and post-Gen Con because that's a big big date in our calendars so uh, that's some of the stuff we got coming up really and, looking forward to yep. the two taboo for tabletop I'm, yeah that's I the very next one, one so so hopefully uh, i'm a little scared yeah no kidding hopefully we won't go into the dark side too far or just far enough all right well greg why don't you tell the kind folks who listen where they can find out more about us okay the easiest place to get a hold of us is on facebook uh, you can do a search for the grognards um, we also have a Twitter account. We, we are at tgrognards. And on Instagram, we are the underscore grognards. And if you just want to shoot us an email, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. All right. And that is a wrap for the Grognards here, episode number four. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Take care, everyone. 